630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Blue Jays taking control in the seventh inning against the Royals. They scored five times and now lead the Royals 6-1. The game has moved on into the eighth. Team Brick Alberta winning their opener at the Brick Invitational at West Edmonton Mall 5-2 over Pennsylvania. Brock Souch with a natural hat trick. They will play again in uh, just under two hours at 8.50 against the Chicago Junior Blackhawks. Some texts coming into 6.30, during the news break. Uh, Setherson says, I think we need to embrace Larson like we want him on our team. I'm uh, worried that we are looking at this trade as we lost Hall. No, we gained Larson. We need to be excited to have him because if we don't, he isn't going to want to play here. Setherson also says, do you think the Oilers are going to trade Leon? I do not. Sonny says, I can't believe someone compared Horkoff to Lucic. Loved Hall and was shocked to see him traded, but love the overall look going into the season. If there are more changes coming, great. I believe in Shirelli and his moves to improve the team. I'm a fan from the start, and I'm in for the long haul. That, a long haul. that is from Sonny. Brad says, Reed, Stahl, and Brower are four and three years older than Lucic. Lucic will be 34 when this contract is over. Same age Stahl will be in three years, and Brower will be in four years when their contracts expire. Ocposo will be 34. Backus will be 37. Erickson will be 37 when their contracts expire. The Oilers did reasonably well with Lucic. Shane Doan is 39. He scored 28 goals last year. That is from Brad. Well, good comparison of whether of uh, where the other... Uh, of how old guys will be when their contracts expire. Good comparison. Hey, the Oilers orientation camp for some of the uh, younger prospects underway in Jasper. Tom Gazzola is covering it for Oilers TV. Now, Tom, you are going to be back for the football game on Friday night, right, buddy? Oh, you better believe it, Reed. Would not miss that game. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty big game. I know I know you all you all, you're, you're you have a little bit of fondness for the Saskatchewan team, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Uh, absolutely not. There is zero fondness for that Saskatchewan team. I admire their fans and the way they stick with that uh, that football club. But uh, when Saskatchewan loses, I'm a happy camper, especially when it's to the Eskimos, and that's just me. So uh, look forward to Friday. I know I think you're, you said you're going to be there too, and uh, we're all hoping that Jason Moss gets his first CFL victory as a head coach and starts the weekend off on the right foot for everyone back home. All right, and we'll, of course, uh, have that game for you on 6.30. Chet and Morley has the Eskimo show coming up from 8 to 9 tonight. Okay, so, Tom, we were uh, we were there for the, uh, the the physicals, the fitness testing, whatever they call it, on Saturday morning at Rexall Place. Ethan Bear was announced to be signed to his entry-level contract. Promising young player there. He's been uh, doing a great job offensively for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, and then it was uh, then it was out to Jasper. So give us the Coles notes here of what kind of stuff the players have been doing over the last two days. Okay, well, uh, we, we've seen them at Jasper before uh, in years past. And, and, of course, last year rookie camp was uh, uh, back home in Edmonton with, you know, Connor McDavid being selected. So 
smart move on the Oilers uh, to keep it back home for that one last year. But this year, they've been on ice for a good uh, hour and a half to two hours. They split the teams into, uh, well, they split the entire group, 36 players, into two teams, Team Gretzky, Team Messier. And uh, the thing that caught my attention right away yesterday on the first on-ice session was how involved uh, the Oilers coaching staff is this year as opposed to what we've seen in rookie orientation development camps uh, in years past. Uh, Todd McClellan was watching from the stands, but when he saw something he didn't like, he would stop the practice, have the guys come over and break down what he saw and, and what he wanted the guys to change in the drills and, and how he expected them to perform. Uh, Jay Woodcroft is the guy running most of the, the sessions on the ice. And, of course, uh, uh, Jim Johnson's on there as well as Ian Herbers. And then the entire Bakersfield Condor staff is on the ice. Both goalie consultants are on the ice. And uh, Rick Carrier from Player Development. So very hands-on, a lot of uh, teaching going on. And uh, talking to Jay Woodcroft yesterday, I said, you know, we didn't see this before and, and with your staff why is there an emphasis on being so hands-on with the the youngsters uh he said it's you know todd mccullen and and that staff's philosophy to start to instill the style of play and the systems they expect of the edmonton oilers and and he's they're fully aware that these guys have to go back to their respective clubs in the fall or you know should they not make the oilers and and then they'll have to go back to junior or college and, and uh, adapt to whatever coach they have and their systems. But uh, they just want to start getting it ingrained in their head that this is the style of play that they want should and when these guys finally uh, come into the fold uh, in the system with the Oilers. So that's kind of what's been going on. Yesterday was a uh, focus on offense. Today more of a focus on defense and angles. And uh, tomorrow they're back at it at 8 a.m. So it's really hands-on. And considering it's the middle of the summer, these guys have—they uh, uh, haven't really let off the gas. So it's kind of been interesting to watch here. Tom Gazzola joining us. He's with Oilers TV covering the orientation camp in Jasper. All right, I, I got to ask you—he was picked fourth overall. Yesi Puliarve. How uh, has he been uh, participating? Is he, uh, uh, you know, getting over some stuff? What, what's going on with him? Yeah. Well. We know he had the the knee tweak, uh, the left knee had it cleaned up, or he had a minor surgery on it not long ago. He's not skating. We talked to him yesterday, and uh, he said he doesn't expect to be on the ice for about a month, and then when it's all healed up and he gets the green light from the doctors, he'll uh, be back at it on the ice, and then hopefully uh, 100% by the time he rolls around to training camp, in the fall so right now he's here he's with the group he's watching all the practice sessions he's in all the meetings he's doing the video he's just not performing on ice and i know uh simon bennett are, is here and so is chad drummond the, the oilers uh uh trainers and they're they're working with him i'm sure they've got you know programs for him while he uh, rehabilitates his knee and to keep him active and make sure he's uh, building up his body as he gets set for the the main camp in the fall, but uh, yeah, he's not on the ice this week. He's healing up, and uh, he's just taking it all in and making new friends. All right, and before I let you go, I mean, I mentioned uh, Ethan Bear, and uh, and uh, we got an interview with him on uh, on on Saturday, and of course that's on the Oilers website. Uh, Caleb Jones is there. I mentioned him. Uh, John Marino drafted last year. 
William Laguson drafted a couple of years ago, a Tyler Benson this year's draft pick. Is there anybody uh, standing out? I don't know. You know, you're just you're not seeing these guys play full games or anything like that. But anybody anybody standing out for you is maybe looking good, looking strong. Yeah, you know what? It's it's tough. These guys are practicing, right? But uh, and even talking to some of the coaches, you ask them who they think stand out, and they say the same thing. They're like, you know what? It's the summer. They're just trying to to keep up and trying to learn everything we're teaching them. So it's hard to to really see who uh, is a head and shoulders above the rest but a guy that's caught my eye uh, is Drake Kajula uh, that they signed in the offseason out of UND Um, you know there's an age difference between some of these guys some of these guys are only 18 years old Uh, I think one guy is uh, 25 26 years old uh, an ECHLer local guy I can't remember the name off the top of my head Head, but Kajula, watching him, I know there was a lot of interest, Scott a lot of teams that wanted him. Um, but you can you can see there is a bit of a separation between him and, and a lot of the pack. So um, uh, reassuring to see as he gets set to to make his way into the system with the Oilers and, and you know try to compete for a spot in camp. And uh, he's a good story. He's a scrappy, feisty little guy and with a ton of skill. So uh, great release on his shot. So it'll be neat to see what he does in the fall and and now it's kind of nice to get an up close look after seeing you know watching his stuff on youtube and reading about him and then hearing all the hype and then finally get to see him up close so he's been good uh for for what it's worth in in what are you know hour and a half practice sessions here all right tom thanks for chiming in tonight Uh, i know you got some moose to go catch in jasper or maybe you're going to take on some of those mountain goats in a headbutting contest i don't know but thanks for yeah well yeah you never know Right. <laughs> Enjoy it, buddy. Thanks for the update. Thanks, Reed. See you Friday, bud. That is Tom Gazzola checking in from Oilers TV with the Oilers in Jasper. Drake Kajula, yeah, out of uh, North Dakota last season, had 51 points in 39 games. He's looking pretty strong for the Oilers out there. Tell you what we're going to do. You can keep texting 630-630. Uh, we're going to tee up the Eskimo show with Morley Scott. We want to bring in Cassie Campbell when we get back now, a broadcaster, one of the greatest female hockey players in our country. She's been named to the Order of Canada. That's when we return. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Hey, the Blue Jays win 6-2 over Kansas City. Aaron Sanchez is now 9-1. He goes eight innings tonight, gives up the one run. He struck out three. He only allowed three hits. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630. Ched, Cassie Campbell, three-time Olympic medalist in women's hockey, has been named to the Order of Canada. Cassie, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm wonderful, Reed. How are you? I'm doing great. Cassie Campbell of the Order of Canada. My goodness, how does that sound? It's all trickery, you know. I honestly, I, I, I kind of found out a couple of weeks ago, and I, you know, told my parents and my husband and some immediate family, and and uh, and then you know today when it gets announced, you kind of realize, oh boy, it, it it's a huge deal, and um, it's just a great honor for our sport and great recognition. And you know, I've heard from a bunch of my teammates today, and you know, I think that's what truly makes it special is kind of all the people you hear from. Um, you know, that are hearing about the Order of Canada and that, you know, my name was included. And, you know, it brings you back uh, to sort of reminisce about all the years that you played and, and the things that have happened for women's hockey over the last, you know, 20, 25 years. 
Well, that must be the amazing part is how far the women's game has, has come. I mean, Cassie, I can remember I, I was a kid in the 80s, and you'd, you, I'd play minor hockey against other small towns, and every once in a while, and of course, when you're warming up, you'd be saying to all your buddies on the team, well, they got a girl on their team. They got a girl on their team. You know, like it was this, it was like a, a, a novelty, you know, like I'm not, yeah. as, as opposed to now, it's just like, well, of course there's women's hockey. I mean, kids that are growing up now, it's like, of course that there's that option for, for girls to play on their own team. They don't have to, you know, try to get on a boys team or anything like that. Well, you know, it's funny. When I was growing up, I started playing boys hockey actually in the United States because my, my dad had been transferred there for work when I was about seven, eight, nine years old. And the first year I played, you know, I showed up half-dressed and, you know, just I had this little boy haircut. You know, my mom put a bowl on my head and off she went to give me my haircut. And, and they actually didn't know I was a girl until I showed up at the swimming party at the end of the year, you know, and I obviously had a different bathing suit on. And you know, these boys were pretty shocked. And, you know, I don't ever remember feeling anything negative at that age, but my parents could probably tell you some stories. And, um, you know, that's quite some time ago. So it's, you know, there's still so many girls out there who are playing boys hockey. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, people always ask me, should they play boys, girls? And I'm like, hey, as long as they're playing, you know, it's the greatest game on earth. And, you know, they'll let you know at what age they want to transfer back. And obviously there'll be a physiological change that comes but um you know as long as they're comfortable playing and they're having fun playing with the boys and then i'm all for uh the girls just simply playing the game what do you remember about your first olympics well we lost so that i remember <laughs> well, that. See, I was, uh, that's not where i was going but <laughs> no no no. i know i totally know but that's you know honestly that's the first thing that i remember is losing and you know, I remember the faces of the true pioneers, like a Stacey Wilson and the France Saint-Louis, and, you know, them, knowing that that's probably going to be their last shot. And, you know, as a young kid, you, you know, you really felt so devastated and disappointed. And, um, you know, you just, it was just such a, a tough moment. And and then I remember the hoopla after. You know, that was when Molson, you know, Open Ice Summit hit and what was wrong with hockey in this country. And, you know, we finished second and our men's team finished fourth and were terrible. And, um, and it really changed the way our program operated. And I think it changed the way men's hockey operated in this country with those results. And and yet many other countries would be excited to have one silver medal out of, out of a possible two medals. You know, if you look at some of the other countries we compete against. And But, I, you know, honestly, Reed, like I remember being a young kid and, you know, I remember just having fun times and, you know, working hard and training hard, but the first thing that comes to mind for me is just losing and, and just being so disappointed, you know, not to get the results for some of the, you know, heroes and the pioneers that I grew up watching. Well, then contrast that with with the high of uh, of '02 and '06. then. Yeah, I think 2002, I mean, honestly, let's face it, we had no business winning. You know, we were up against the American dream team, if you will, and they had been centralized for four years, and they beat us eight times in a row that year, and we only played them nine times. And, you know, we just found a way to win. And, you know, I think that story was very similar to the amazing accomplishment the girls did here in Sochi in 2014. And, um, you know, uh, the friends I still have from that team and, you know, the young kids playing on the national team now, they watched those Olympics and got inspired by it. And, uh, you know, you think of Blair Turnbull and a Julian Saulnier and, you know, that generation. And, and then 2006, you know, for me, I knew it was going to be my last. And, you know, I just really wanted to enjoy it and soak it all in and, of course, win. And, you know, it was one of the best team Canada's I ever played on as far as the, you know, injection of youth and, 
you had a bunch of us old dogs still sticking around, like Daniel Goyette and Vicky Sanahara and, you know, myself. We played on the line together and, um, you know, just to be able to repeat and, and to dominate the way we did and, you know, to have Sweden upset the U.S. in the semis, I think that was big for our sport. So definitely contrast from, from the 98 Olympic year. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for joining us, Cassie. All the best on being named to the Order of Canada. Cassie Campbell, of course, now with the uh, Rogers NHL broadcasts. And, uh, yeah, to the Order of Canada. She won an Olympic silver medal and then the two golds. Inside Sports, of course, is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right, or it's free. Guaranteed. Check them out online, actionfurnace.ca. Yeah, you probably heard the uh, big basketball news today. One of the biggest free agents going to one of the best teams in the league. Golden State gets Kevin Durant. Golden State may not have won the NBA title, but they sure hit the jackpot in free agency. Durant has decided to leave Oklahoma City and join the Warriors, where he'll team up with all-stars Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Those two were part of a contingent that sold Durant on the Warriors during a sales pitch in the Hamptons on Friday. The 2014 MVP and four-time scoring champion led the Thunder to the NBA Finals in 2012 and to the Western Conference Finals in four of the past six years. Durant met with the Thunder, Warriors, Clippers, Celtics, Spurs, and Heat before making his choice. I'm Jim Militello. Two years, $54.3 million. $27 million a season. Not bad. Again, the salary cap in the NBA, $94 bucks. Coming up to the 7.30 news, huge event this weekend in Edmonton, qualifying for the Rio Olympics in athletics. Peter Ogilvie is the executive director, uh, director of Athletics Alberta and an Olympian himself and a recent inductee into the Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame. He's coming up after the 7.30 News. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, thanks for tuning in tonight. Of course, if you missed anything from uh, Free Agency Day, if you were out of town or camping or just uh, too busy watching fireworks, go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Full stories, interviews with Shirelli, Lucic, all that fun stuff. We took you through that all day long pretty much here on 6.30. Chad, Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks for joining us. This is Inside Sports. Morley Scott has the Eskimos show coming up from 8 to 9 this evening. Big event coming up in Edmonton. And to talk about that from Track Down Canada, Peter Ogilvie. Peter, you're on with Reed. Welcome back to the show, man. How have you been? Uh, I've been great. Uh, getting ready for a big weekend, like you just said. We're excited and can't believe it. It's just around the corner. All right. So uh, this is the... I mean, I'm probably not using the the formal term, but this is the qualifier for Canadian track and field athletes to go to the Olympics. It is. It's it's the official selection trials uh, for any of our track and field athletes looking to get their spot uh, either at the Olympic Games or the Paralympic Games coming up uh, after in the summer. So is, is this a... Uh, is this like a winner-take-all thing? I mean, so if somebody has been dominating say discus just to pick an event and they're always getting first in discus but they come this weekend and they foul or they do poorly and they finish 12th that's it they may be canada's best discus discus thrower but they got to do it this weekend (laughs) 
You know, that's a great question. In some events, uh, there is a little bit of flexibility. If if you're the only athlete that's attained uh, an Olympic standard uh, going into this uh, Olympic trials, per se, uh, there is some flexibility, and the national team can kind of look at that and make a best judgment on, you know, did you have a bad day? Was the weather bad? How things go? But if you just perform badly, yes, you, you could miss the Olympics. And in some events, uh, the drama is so deep and thick and rich, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be nerve-wracking for a lot of people because what we have in some scenarios where we have four, five, six athletes that have achieved the standard to go to Rio, and there's only three spots. So you have to perform on that day, uh, and you've got to make it count. So all the pressure is on, and uh, you can cut the atmosphere at a facility when the trials are, are, are doing something like this. It's just a great feeling. It's it's great for the spectators to see. All right, so i got to ask you, I, I know there's going to be a lot of great stuff to watch, but but you and I both know the the sprinters are – uh, get a lot of the attention. That's the that's the sexy event. Certainly, Andre de Grasse, the uh, young Canadian, has been great. What did he got? He won gold in the uh, Pan Am in the uh, one and two hundred meters. I believe he got a bronze in the one hundred meters at the World Championships in Beijing last year. So, is is he going to be here? And is and is he favored to win the sprints? <laughs> you know what? He is in for a tough time, and it makes for great drama going into the Olympic trials. His former teammate training down at USC, Aaron Brown, has actually been doing better this year going into the Olympic trials than Andre. So in terms of a head-to-head battle, we could see the first sub-10, sub-20 second for 100 and 200 meter duel between these two Canadians. We've, We've never had that. But the talent pool for the men's 100 is so deep. I believe there's five guys that have the Olympic standard. Uh, There's eight lanes in the race. It's 100 meters. Anybody could win. And uh, and that's just the nature of, of that sport. But in some of the other events, uh, women's 100-meter hurdles, I believe there's six girls that have the standard. Edmonton's Angela White is in consideration for that. Uh, Angela has been on the national team since 2001. That's a 15-year span of competing at the highest level. Uh, so I'm really excited to cheer her on and see if she can make uh, another Olympic team. Um, there's so many deep events, and we have so much talent. Uh, it's it's no longer you go for one race. You're going to be there uh, watching a whole bunch of, uh, of new young athletes trying to make their spot on this team, and it makes for great entertainment. All right, so give me, uh, give me the nuts and bolts. Uh... When and where, how can people get tickets, good times to go watch, all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. The Olympic trials, Paralympic trials, start on Thursday, July the 7th and continue to Sunday, July the 10th. All the events are at Foot Field. You can purchase tickets at tracktowncan.com or uh, obviously show up to Foot Field anytime and uh, you'll be able to buy a, a ticket at the door. Uh, schedules, all the information is on our website. Uh, we do expect a packed house on Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, it's going to be a great feeling. And you know, the best thing about this is all we're we're hosting the Olympic team post uh, Olympic trials, and we feature many of them battling the Olympic team members from Jamaica, Cuba, and a lot of the other Caribbean countries 
on Friday, July the 15th for the Track Town Classic. So we have two weeks of intense track and field coverage in the city, and we're really looking forward to it. Okay, yeah, well, I wanted to ask you about that. So you got the Olympic trials this weekend and then athletes from all over the world, including Canadians, uh, the following weekend. Correct, correct. So it, it just makes for a, a great road to Rio focus for us, and Edmonton's doing a great job of hosting uh, the events. We're excited. We've got a, a great volunteer team ready to, to welcome all the Canadian athletes. We have about 1,300 coming in in the next day or so, so it will be uh, a great event, and then welcoming the world a week later. All right. Uh, Peter Ogilvie joining us, CEO of Tracktown Canada. I would be remiss if I didn't offer congratulations. You were recently inducted into the uh, Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame. Of course, you competed in uh, two Olympics for Canada, 1992 and 96. What, what, you were in the 200 meters? I was, yeah, 200 and 4 by one relay. So I was one of the alternates on the, the program there. So I had a great opportunity to, to see the world and, and train with uh, many of my role models and mentors and have an opportunity to compete on the world stage at the Olympics with, uh, with a great crew. Uh, it was truly an honor to wear the Maple Leaf at those games. And, you know, trying to inspire the youth of today and also to, to help our national team members right now to get to that level and see them perform and, and step on the podium. Uh, that's my way of paying it back. Well, i got to ask you, take me back to 92 and 96. What was it like for you as an athlete uh, going into this qualifying weekend? Oh, wow, <laughs> you're going back into the vault here. Um, 92, I was a rookie. I was 20 years old, just came out of the junior ranks. Uh, a little naive, thought I could tackle the world. Uh, I ended up winning the Olympic trials, and they were in Montreal at the time, and it was such an amazing feeling knowing that I'm going to my first Olympic Games in a, in a beautiful city in, in Barcelona, Spain. And, um, you know, just riding that high, and, you know, this was what it was all about. You're trying to go there. You have no idea what's going to be like. The magic of the Olympic rings is uh, like a moth seeing a light, uh, outside on the patio, one of those purple lights. You're just drawn to it, and it's uh, such a, an amazing experience. My second one was all about business. How do I get on that podium? How do we make our team champions? How do we do the best we can as Canadians to pull it off? So different experiences, um, and both of them were fantastic. So you were an alternate for the relay team that won gold in Atlanta then? That's correct, yeah. So that was quite uh, quite an honor to see the gang pull it off, especially in in the stadium cheering for the Americans. And all of a sudden when we won, the stadium went quiet. <laughs> we, <laughs> it was such a such an eerie sound to go from one extreme where they're cheering 86,000 to what just happened. What, what do you remember won. about, and you would have been, part of this too. I mean, in 88, we were devastated by the Ben Johnson stuff. Certainly Bruni Surin was there through both teams, and then Bailey kind of shot onto the scene, and Canadians sort of looked of that maybe as a little bit of redemption, where it's like, see, we can we can do this uh, legitimately. What do you remember about, about specifically maybe Donovan and Bruni, how they, how they handled that and sort of rose to not just meeting the challenge of the Americans, but, but handling, you know, a lot of internal pressure from Canadian fans as well. Well, you know, they did have tremendous pressure. The, the Canadian media was really, you know, hoping that they would do well. Um, 
the expectation that they put on themselves to perform at the highest level was uh, was incredible, and and I commend them for for their ability to block out and focus on the task at hand. And um, you know they they had a lot of pressure going into to '96, uh, and everybody pulled it off. It was just amazing to see the the coaches, the support network. Uh, no one thought we were going to win. Period. No one thought Donovan was going to win in the 100 either. He was ranked two or three, depending on who you're talking to, going into the Olympic final. And uh, it was anybody's day. And he rose to the occasion and pulled it off. Olympic champion, world record in the performance there. And, uh, you know, it it comes down to to preparation and getting your opportunity, and everything falls together. So it was uh, was amazing. But, you know, certainly they had a lot of pressure, and they had to push through it, that's for sure. Yeah, well, those were fond memories, and there's going to be some made this weekend as well. Okay, give people that website again, Peter. Tracktowncan.com is the website. And, of course, you can show up at Field on the day and buy tickets at the, at the door. All right, that's going to be fun. Peter, thanks for giving us an update. going to be a, a huge weekend. And uh, I guess on Monday's show, hopefully I'll have some Olympians as guests. That would be pretty hey, cool. That's my we'll hint that. that I need help lining it up already. So <laughs> That we can do. Perfect. Well, Not a problem at all. Thanks, Reed. Talk to you soon, Peter. Peter Ogilvie checking in, CEO of Tracktown Canada. Again, tracktowncan.com. The selection trials for the Olympics this weekend at Foot Field, and then the following weekend, uh, Tracktown Canada. That's going to be with uh, athletes from all over the world. Edmonton's Angela White once again going for the Olympics in the 100-meter hurdles. All the best to her. It is 7.45. It is Inside Sports on 6.30, Ched. Morley Scott's going to drop in to tee up the Eskimo show, and we'll talk about competitive eating. Oh, yeah, they had the hot dog contest today in the States. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hey, Morley, I got a little surprise for you here. What do you got? We just had Peter Ogilvie in. He was a sprinter in the 96 Olympics. Yep. Now, I know radio, but the thing is that audio for the people who yeah. lived lived that. I remember it well. They ju- they just saw it in their head. Yeah, they just saw that, it in their. Maybe uh, you see the replay. And, and I always see it, but the, watching it over your shoulder there, the way the way Bailey was kind of running with his arms straight at the end after he won and crossed yeah. the finish line, he was kind of running and dancing at the same time. Yeah, very memorable. That if for some reason you don't remember it, well, I mean if you're over. 28. Well, I mean, that was 20 years ago. If you're over 27, wow. you probably remember that. Maybe even 24. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing three and under. Maybe it's a little hazy. Um, but that was the 1996 men's 100-meter final. And just the incredible... I mean, I remember the, the Ben Johnson, what he won, and it was like, take that, Carl Lewis, you mouthy, mm-hmm. cocky little you-know-what. Yeah. And then two days later, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. well, great, we didn't win after all. Yeah. And then, you know, all the investigation and rebuilding the sprinting program and then to win that in the United States. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And the build-up to that race, 
Linford Christie gets, I mean, they were false starts. Linford Christie, remember, got disqualified, wouldn't leave. I mean, the race started, I think, 20 minutes after it was supposed to for this 10-second race. We're all all waiting. And And lots of drama, that's for sure. Yeah, and then Bailey doesn't start well. And I just remember how much you go through during that. It's like, oh, the first three seconds, you're thinking, oh, he's not going to. Doesn't have a chance. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Then he just passed everybody, right? So, yeah, that's that's a great, that's probably my... That's one of my top four or five Canadian sporting moments. I mean, I wasn't alive for Henderson. I was. You know what? That's. I mean, to and to me, here's the thing: you were alive for Henderson. Uh, Lemieux in '87 is my Canadian hockey moment. I mean, I would probably go Lemieux '87, then Bailey, then Crosby. And I know that's going to irritate some people, but that's how big yeah. that race was to my generation. Yeah, I can I can tie in. Because that was Don Whitman calling, right? Yeah, I can tie that that race in with '87 with Lemieux, because in '87 I was working in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan at CKBI Radio, and that was back when uh, remember the old Western Express lottery? Yes. And they used to have the show after the late news. I think it was on CTV. They had the, like the the five minute show on with Don Whitman hosting yeah. it. They taped that in Winnipeg. And uh, they flew in people from little towns all over Western Canada. And they one time, the people phoned CKBI radio and said, can you send someone to Winnipeg to do the show with Don? Bring a little uh, two-minute Viginetti tape about uh, <laughs> about your town. And, you know, so I put together some stuff, and we did a tape, and I got to fly to uh, Winnipeg. And I got to host the show with Don Whitman, that five-minute show with the, my two-minute little vignette tape. And uh, I got to stay at the Viscount Gort Hotel in Winnipeg. And I watched that goal by Mary Lemieux in my suite no at the way. Viscount Gord Hotel all by myself, and I could hear people all over, all along the floor, yelling and screaming from their rooms, because everybody was watching it, right? Yeah. And so that's, that. I tie those together, Don Whitman with the call there, and of course I, I hosted it with Don Whitman. I think it was, that was, I, that was, I don't know what night of the week it was, I can't remember if it was. It was the, a Saturday. It was a Saturday. Oh no, so, Lemieux? Yeah. No, I think Lemieux was a weekday, might have been a Yeah, I yeah. can't, it must have been a Friday. Anyway, the, I taped, I think I got there that night, then I taped the next day, and then I yeah. went home. So yeah, it was, um, it was cool. It was cool. I got something else for you here, Morley. Of course, oh. uh, Kevin Durant's leaving Oklahoma City <laughs> oh, yeah. to go sign with uh, Golden State. I saw this on uh, on the ESPN website, so I'll, I'll give them the courtesy. So this sounds like a dad is filming his kid here. Hey, Miles. Kevin Durant's not going to be on the Thunder anymore. Why? He signed with another team. <laughs> Miles, the Oklahoma City Thunder fan, is going to punch Golden State in the face. Wow. I assume that means all of California, <laughs> because Golden State's actually the entire state. Uh, that's funny. I had, a, I had a similar conversation with my son way back when, when uh, Cujo signed with Toronto. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because he's a big Cujo fan, because Cujo, I took him in the dressing room one time, and Cujo let him try on his mask and stand beside his pads, and he gave him a stick, right? And so Cujo was, uh, he was, he was the king, right? And uh, then I think it was either the next summer or the summer after, they, uh, they let him go, and he signed with Toronto, and it was a tough conversation. Kids just don't understand. Well, they do. They just don't have the 
economic understanding yet. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> right? true. And they, they can't filter the tears like adults can, right? Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. So, I'm sure a lot of people might have been crying last week, right? <laughs> the Joey Chestnut is the, once again the champion of the Coney Island hot dog eating contest. One of my heroes. They have it every 4th of July. One of my sporting heroes. A 10-minute competition, the 32-year-old ate 70 hot dogs in 10 minutes for his ninth championship in the last 10 years. The weirdest thing about that is, though, they don't eat the bun and the hot dog together, right? Some of them don't. I think some do. They dip them in water. They dip the bun yeah, in water. Not, so like, is that gross or it's what? It's disgusting. I love hot dogs. I can eat 10 of them, right? Not in a short time, yeah. but I could eat 10 of them. Guess what? We but got not soaking the buns in water. That's just disgusting. Here's uh, Chestnut after his win today. And no, it's not just the sound oh, of the guy puking. Amazing. Uh, I, I knew going into the contest my body was working, and uh, and Matt Matt was great. I, I didn't know what he was up to. I, I caught myself actually looking at his numbers. I, I shouldn't have done that. But, uh, yeah, it was a great event. The, 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 great weather. The audience was amazing. And I, I'm just... Uh, I'm just happy. I'm happy. I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I came back stronger than ever. You edged out Stony by 17 hot dogs. How were you able to maintain that pace? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's edging out, but uh, you know, it, it, it's his fault. He, he beat me last year, and he, he uh, woke the sleeping giant, and uh, he made me go back to the drawing board and, and refigure out figure out my body again. This is great. And I, uh, yeah. and I did it, and it's uh, yeah, it, it's I'm. I'm I'm happy. So, so Chestnut had won eight in a row. Then Stony won last year, and now Chestnut. Oh, it's wins the biggest this year. rivalry in competitive eating. <laughs> it really is. It's a huge rivalry. Chestnut Stony, man. So, it's going to be on pay per view soon. So he got seventy yeah. hot dogs. His record, the previous record, was by him sixty nine in in twenty thirteen. And what do you say? They beat him by seventeen. Beat him by seventeen this year. So one point seven hot dogs a minute. That's quite a bit, man. So Morley, I just quickly did some research, and there's probably this is probably a rounded off number. It's a generalization because there's different body types and ages and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I googled it, and everything on the internet is accurate, that the average human male uh, should consume around 2,500 calories a day. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. In that 10-minute span, Joey Chestnut <laughs> consumed 19,600 wow. calories. Wow. <laughs> and those guys are all skinny, too. Yeah, they are. Oh, yeah, they're not. There's, they're not lardos. A they're, competitive uh, eater, you would picture. You know, my size are bigger, right? But no, <laughs> they're skinny guys. Yeah, and they and they guess. I just saw something quickly on TSN today. They drink lots of water. I think all not just, not just on the day of. I think all the time. I, I, mean, yeah. I guess that must must help. Well, water is good for you, but. It's, uh, yeah, so... 70 hot dogs. Though. 70 hot dogs, in t- and yeah, they're dipping them water, and then he kind of, I think, bites them in half and swallows them. Like, it's yeah. just it's just insane. It's disgusting. What's on the no Eskimo show, buddy? Either. No, they don't have time to apply condiments. Yeah. Get down. Just get a stripe of so, mustard yes, on them early. Again, right away. I'm just Can I get some fried onions? Uh, who's, who's coming up? Uh, new Eskimo, uh, Alex Hoffman-Ellis will join us. We'll also talk with the quarterback, Mike Riley. He's got some interesting news for us. And uh, the head coach. And I got to say the word Poughkeepsie today oh, a nice. couple of times. And uh, we'll hear about that from uh, uh, Ruben Frank, who hails from Poughkeepsie. Blue Jays won 6-2 over the Royals. Team Brick Alberta wins their opener over at the Brick Invitational at West End. 5-2 West End. 5-2 over Pennsylvania. They play the Chicago Junior Blackhawks at 8 50 tonight. Morley Scott is next with the Eskimo Show Inside Sports. He's back 6 to 9 tomorrow. And who's 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.